Welcome to the NDA podcast. We're here to challenge topics the industry has been keeping under waiver for years. Unfiltered conversation with no fear of being cancelled. Bringing creatives of different levels, different backgrounds and very different opinions together. Debating the issues we only dare discuss over our Twitter DMs. So get ready for some honesty because we're about to break all the NDAs. Cool. So hi, everyone. Uh, We've got a really interesting, contentious subject this week. It's kind of a rife debate in the creative industries at the moment because we're navigating one of the busiest job markets we've ever seen. So uh, welcome to NDA. This week's episode is taking interview tasks to task. So I'm really excited to have some lovely guests with me this week. We've got a mix of kind of change makers, theorizers, people who've been on the ground, done that work for interview and everyone's bringing a slightly different point of view. So I'm going to kick off with some intros. If everyone can just a quick line about themselves and how they relate to the topic. Yeah, of course. Hello, everyone. Um, So my name's Nikki Lyle. I am a creative recruiter. Um, I'm also quite actively involved in the industry in general. So um, I'm also involved a lot in mentoring for like DNAD, um, advertising, and um, my opinion on design tasks is my own observations of ways in which I've seen they have been of a benefit to some people in the industry. I am JC Evans. I'm a senior designer. Um, I work up in Birmingham in kind of the charity nonprofits um, world. And my opinion, my opinion, I'm not too sure on my opinion of design tasks, but I've completed one and it did not, it was not a good experience. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Faz. I am a junior branding designer and I have done a design task in the past with a pretty positive experience, I would say. Um, Yeah, that's me. Hi everyone, my name is Luke Woodhouse. I'm creative director at Ragged Edge. Uh, We're a branding agency for change makers. And uh, when we're recruiting people, we, we wouldn't ask anyone to do a creative task to get the job. Sweet. So a little bit of context and we are absolutely going to delve into those stories and opinions a little bit more. But I'm Katie Cadwell. Uh, My pronouns are she, her. I am the host and the steerer of discussion today. Um, But for full disclosure, I have completed a design task and I did get the job off the back of it. For the sake of this and all future discussions, just think of me as like an impartial stirrer of the pot. So I thought we would kick off with, Nikki, if it's all right, kind of an objective description of interview tasks. Yeah, of of course. So I I think the thing with um, design tasks is they're usually at a time where uh, the interviewer may be trying to decide either between a few candidates who they offer the job to, the task can be set, or I've had instances where clients have had one candidate that they're considering but they may have some reservations about their skill set and the task is actually a way to bridge the gap for the candidate to prove that they do have the skills that they might not um, be able to demonstrate from their existing experience in the industry so it's a way to kind of help them um, demonstrate those skills. And out of like all the applications that you see could you put a rough guess on how many are asking for an interview task? 
Yeah, I would say maybe about half um, of, yeah, jobs are asking for people to create design tasks. It's quite a lot. I think that's, I think that'll be quite surprising to people because there aren't many people who come out and say that they're asking for these design tasks. And what I'm hearing on socials is some of those big agencies are asking too. So I think the story we have here that probably relates most closely to what I'm seeing in the DMs, Josie, could you chat about your experience doing an interview task, please? Yeah. So um, I was like looking to move jobs um, and one came up in the city that I was planning to move to. So I was like, this is great got all my portfolio ready like we don't have like having to spend your evenings like putting together your portfolio it takes a long time sent it off and I've got the whole like email chain here so I might refer to it a little bit and sent it off just like did my like kind of cover letter as part of the um the email and sent my portfolio and then I didn't realize this until I looked earlier but it was about a month until I heard back and then they were like hi um thanks for sending it through we've had over like 50 applications which I don't know I don't know if that's loads or not they said it's been really difficult so you're free to the next stage we're going to set you like a little design task so I was like okay like uh, that's fair enough so then I sent it through the next day and even when I read the design task I was like that's quite a loose loose brief so the brief was um We'd like you to design a brand and front cover of two spreads for a fictional Cardiff-based magazine called Culture. The subject of the magazine can be up to you. We don't expect you to write anything or take any photography. Lauren Ripson's fine. And we're really looking um, for bulletproof layout and a bit of editorial flair, Um, like everything, like tight colours, everything's your choice, which I was kind of like, I was like really happy to do it. It was like quite a few years ago. Um, so I was like kind of moving from like junior to midway. But I was like, if you're testing my typographical like skills by not giving me any type, I can kind of do whatever I want. Like Lauren Ripson, I can make it look, if it doesn't fit on the page, I'll just delete a few words. So I did that. And I think they actually only gave us like, I think they gave like just over a week to do it. Which again, if you're working full time and you've got like, like at that point, my um, we were doing like long distance in my relationship, so like most of my weekends were spent like traveling. So, and I, I think I did, I actually just couldn't fit it in, so I actually took annual leave to do it. I took a day annual leave. Uh, so did it all, sent it across. Literally had nothing, like nothing at all. <laughs> so like a few days later, I was like emailed again. I was like, hi, um, like I know it's a big file. Is it just like if you want me to send it in another way, just like let me know literally nothing nothing again and then like it left it a few more weeks and I was like I don't mind if I don't haven't got the job fine but can you even like can you just like kind of say that you received it or just give me a little bit of feedback because like I've obviously taken the time to do it and like literally never ever heard anything ever and I did actually find out because I then went into kind of like stalker mode and they actually just promoted one of their junior designers to midweight so I was like, I don't know how many people they asked to do this task. And it was also like the task was before the interview, which I think is probably quite strange. To make things even worse, after like keep stalking, they actually um, put another job out and I like saw it on Instagram and they kind of write the, writ the whole blurb for the job. And then at the end wrote, no matter what, we will always get back to you. 
and I was just like I would actually like you know when you like angry like write a comment and I was like I'm just going to pause it like leave it for an hour and I'll come back and see if I want to like post it to just like call them out being like I did a whole project for you and you, did, you didn't even say thank you like didn't even say so yeah that's kind of I think that's probably the worst experience that you could probably get from it but how could how could they have made it any worse? That's terrible. I know. It's like not even don't even say thanks for sending it through. Like you haven't got <laughs> so it, rude. you didn't like it. It's like, yeah, it's just rude. Just seems like did they just set the task because they couldn't be bothered to go through all the portfolios? And yeah. And my portfolio as well had like a lot of type typographical editorial work in. So it wasn't like they wanted some like web design and I hadn't got any web design in it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good like reason for why we don't do them. I feel like if you can't see enough from the portfolio, then like you're you're not really looking properly or not asking the right questions. And I think setting it before the interview is particularly bizarre. Yeah. Um yeah. I think Because it like interviews are half like it's the personality, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd really like to add that um a task being set before an interview is a is a red flag um no one should be doing tasks before they've even met you we always say to clients if you're going to set a design task only a few hours worth of work is what you need to really be setting you don't want someone coming up with a full identity like a, a campaign a rollout that's if you want someone to spend a few days you should be paying them for their time um and it should only be set at like final stage where you're like is this person really going to be perfect for the job um Mm. and really honoring everyone's time in the process do you think they were using it as a way to weed people out like that's what they were trying to who's serious about it let's just set a task and see yeah maybe but I still I don't see how like they could have done that with the portfolios Unless they did want to see, like, who's really committed to, like, doing something. Yeah, someone on Twitter said that it's um, actually a reflection on the creative director and, like, A, A, either a laziness or B, an inability to be able to judge work, which is a bit of a red flag if you're going to work for someone and have them judging your work all day, every day, which I feel like, Luke, maybe you can talk to that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think... um... For the, for the portfolio, you should be able to see enough and and um, get an understanding for their ability and what they can do. I think um, one one challenge we have is sort of un, like understanding people's roles in a team. So I always do like to see like the credits for a project because obviously we understand that um, like nothing like everything we do at Ragged Edge is collaborative. And, and for us, it is good to understand, you know, if you are a junior designer, a mid- midweight designer, what's the structure of the team and what's your role? Like, even if you didn't do everything, you contributed. And it's just that it's helpful to know. I can only imagine that there's a lack of trust on the creative director's side that they sort of maybe don't trust that it's that person's work. I can't imagine what they would, uh, like, that would be the only thing that I can imagine would be a, a reason for doing it, which is, isn't particularly a pleasant one. Um, but then I think if you if you interview someone, if you've met someone, you should be able to ask those questions and get a good understanding. Uh, and yeah, you should you should be able to learn enough from the process. Like you know, like Nikki says, like definitely don't do a creative task before an interview. That's 
Well, you, you won't do that again, I don't think, would you? Yeah, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that Josie, you came from a from an agency that is well known, right? And I think that's some people's arguments is if you don't know the agency. Um, whereas Faz, you had like a slightly different experience because you hadn't long graduated and you were kind of freelancing. Um, so maybe you tell your story, which is slightly more positive experience. Yeah. So for me, I had just left um, an intern slash freelance position at a studio and I was moving into freelance work. Um, at the time, I was lucky enough to have quite a bit of work, but I was still looking for a bit more. And so someone had recommended me a position at a venture capital who was looking for like an in-house designer, like a day a week. And so I was, I had a meeting with them slash interview. I showed them my portfolio and um, the the designer who recommended me had worked on the actual branding. And so I would be working on their internal stuff and rolling that out. So when I had the interview, I had no idea that they would that they were going to ask me to do a task. Um, but she kind of, the way she mentioned it was like, oh, we just want you to do like a little mini challenge. And it was, we just want to see how you would work with the brand assets. And so the way it sounded a little like it was a small task and I had the capacity as a freelancer to kind of take it on. So for me, I think the way I saw it was it's a short task and the value of it was that I would have an ongoing client that was stable, especially as a freelancer. I feel like as a junior freelancer, being really like uncertain of the waters and kind of navigating all of that, I found that having a stable client was to my benefit. And so right after that meeting, um, she sent through the details of this mini challenge as she puts it in quotes on her emails. And it was basically a two, two posts that they needed for Instagram, uh, sorry, LinkedIn and their newsletter. Um, and they were just announcing something and they just wanted me to play with their assets and just create those two tiles pretty easy task, took me about two hours. Um, and at the back of my mind, I did have, I was thinking about, you know, this as a, like, I was thinking if I did get the role, I'm going to build them on my invoice for this work. And if I don't get the role, maybe it means that I'm not good enough. And therefore, you know, I'll just like slowly recline. But um, I felt confident going into that I had the support of the designer who had recommended me for that role he was like send it through to me and once you've done it I'll have a look before you send it through to them so that was kind of reassuring to know um but yeah I it was two I sent through the pdf it was like four different options um they sent me an email back afterwards saying you know we'd like to offer you the position for a one day a week engagement um and they were a great client like that led me up like that kept me busy up until um, when I moved into my freelance, uh, my full-time role at a company. Um, yeah. And so when I did send them through my first invoice, I invoiced them for the time I spent on the task, um, which I'm really glad I did. And no one said anything, so I'm sure it was fine. That's top, <laughs> top legend tactics, if you ask me. But I think the main difference between the two stories is Faz was working on live work. Theoretically, Josie was working on fictional. So I guess maybe, Nikki, you've got the most experience of 
what you know what's most common live projects or kind of fake briefs yeah um I, I this almost reminds me sometimes of when agencies pitch for free and there's this whole um do you just pick a few agencies and pay each of them a lump sum for their time because obviously they're paying out for all this work all their ideas and submitting that so I do wonder sometimes if that effect of work for free has somehow trickled down into design tasks being set this is just a thought I've actually had on this call um, from hearing these discussions, which is a bit of food for thought, really. I'd love to hear other people's opinions on that, but not diverting away from this topic too much. But, um, yeah, I, I also believe that what we should have is something that should be signed that says we're not going to use this idea or this concept on our own brand. Because I think there's a lot of um, lack of trust where people are saying, oh, I don't want you stealing my ideas, not crediting me, and then my work is being used and I'm not being paid for it. Um, so I think there should be some kind of contract going around. I might even look into creating a guide that people can download and send over to a company and say, do you mind signing this just to protect my work? And then maybe a, a fee that's used if they do use it just to protect creators from feeling that they're sharing their ideas all the time um but i think something that faz worked on is far more reasonable where it's like this is our design here's some assets can you put this together we want to see what you'll be like on the job i think that's far more reasonable than coming up with something like josie had to do to prove her typography skills which evidently in her portfolio i'm um, coming up with a project from scratch before an interview that for me is completely wrong way of going about tasks and i was just thinking to agree entirely with nikki's point and i think your suggestion of some sort of contract or at least like uh like rules for good clear communication between the creative and and the company I think that's that's a brilliant shout, and I think your uh, comparison between sort of free pitching and this creative task and interview one is like a really smart one, and it's one that I thought about as well. Like we don't do free pitches, and so that sort of fed into our sort of thinking behind like not asking people to do tasks because it is very similar. Yeah, and it sets a precedent that free work is like free work is okay. I think. And I think we've heard, I've heard that a lot on the NDA social. So I guess the, my next question is, Faz does her work brilliantly, because I've worked with you and I know you do, and doesn't get the job. But then a month later, lo and behold, that work appears on their social channels. What can Faz do about that? Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, if I saw that work being used at some point, I honestly feel like I would send an email to the person just because I know that like my work like as a freelancer like that was my time spent and like if they thought it was good enough to be used that's clearly an asset that I created I own that um and in hindsight now I like now that I freelance for a bit longer and I've worked in the studio a bit longer and I understand kind of you know making sure you write that little footprint at the bottom I think when I had created that work and I'm looking at that pdf now I didn't write anything at the bottom that you know kind of put that work as my ownership and like technically they could have gone ahead and used it and put it on their socials and they would I would have nothing to fall back on um, so that's a big lesson for me but um, I think I would have sent an email and possibly 
you know, sent an invoice as well, like after a very nice interaction with them. I, w- I don't think I'd be harsh about it, but um, yeah, it, it would be a bit funny if they didn't get back to me kind of like how Josie had it. I have no clue what else I'd do. I think thing that made because it's like that like I thought exactly the same when I looked back at my pdf I was like I didn't put anything like this belongs to me like do not use it um it kind of takes whereas now I would never ever do that like if someone asked me to do an interview task before even an interview I'd be like what are you going to gain but I think it kind of takes advantage of people that are like newer to the industry and younger in the industry because like when you're at that junior level you kind of feel like you can't really like you'd be like, I need to do this to get the job. You can't really, like, speak out or kind of, like, stand up for yourself. Yeah, I think we should have a trade-off of time. You know, money is one, you know, thing that's valuable to compensate you. But I think, Josie, maybe if someone had set some time aside to actually giving you some proper feedback. Yeah, exactly. Recognition for you submitting the task and then gave you feedback, you would have felt that it was worthwhile to help you with your career journey. Luke, do you get back to everyone? I mean, I know you're not setting design tasks, but like Josie said, they had 50 candidates. Maybe like Nikki, I guess you can talk to that too. Is that right? Like how many, if you post a job ad, how many candidates are you getting and what's the workload like to kind of the process of weeding out, I guess, the people that are a good match? Yeah, I think I think we get about, I want to say like about a thousand. I think uh, Lisa, I heard of people, she counted it up recently for a senior designer position. I think it was over a thousand. So um, we do try and keep track of them and, and reply, reply to the people that aren't successful. Um, but obviously that's quite a task. And then uh, we do try and get back to everyone. We certainly get back to everyone that we speak to who make it to interview stage. Um, we've Lisa has put in quite a, a, like a really good process so that everyone does get proper feedback, there's proper communication, everyone knows where they are in the process at what time and, and if anyone's not successful then they haven't, they haven't the opportunity to have a chat with Lisa and get the fuller feedback from from everyone that she that they met over the course of the process so yeah we definitely I'm, I'm pretty sure we don't get back to everyone who applies but we get back to everyone who makes it through to interview stage. If you get asked to do a design task or, and also I think, Nikki, how do people react to being asked to do a design task? So like, Faz, you had a really good interview where you thought it was going really well. And then they said, oh, actually, we just like you to prove yourself a little bit more. How did that make you feel? I think for me, like, I felt like as a junior, I don't have enough experience to kind of or prove or like have a portfolio that can prove that I'm an incredible designer and I think for me as well doing that task was a little bit of a test as to how I was going to work with them because I was you know sending through this document understanding what kind of clients there would be as well um you know but I did feel like I had to prove to them that I could understand um their brand and actually apply their typography and assets that had already been created um I felt confident going into it. I felt like I could do it. I had a look at their stuff and yeah, I felt I felt confident enough to execute it. And when I sent through that document to the designer who had actually worked on the original branding, I felt 
like the feedback he gave me was like, this is great. You can send it through. And so I feel like I had enough support and connections, I guess, as well, which is a big thing, which I understand a lot of people might not have. Like the fact that I had someone that could mentor me through that little task to basically ensure I got this job was a huge thing. Nick, Nikki, do you get people asking, like pushing back candidates? I know you mentioned that sometimes you kind of might suggest to studios that it's not the right time or, but do you get candidates also pushing back and saying, this isn't right for my skills or I work really well collaboratively and, and this feels quite tricky for me? Yeah, we always try and um, manage people's expectations. So they'll be like, this company, if it gets to second stage, they'll set you a design task. Um, but we always push back on our clients. I think because I've been in the industry for 10 years, when I was a more junior recruiter, I would be like, yeah, yeah, whatever you say. But now I'll say, this isn't really fair. This isn't very reasonable. You know, can you do something that's only going to take a few hours? Um, if it's longer, compensate the designer. But something that Luke said earlier, which I thought was really interesting, if you want to avoid doing a task, make sure it's crystal clear what your involvement was on each project. I always say that's essential because people know, you know, if you've got a huge identity of a well-known brand in an agency that's, that's quite well-known, and chances are you're not going to be the main person that was managing all of that from concept to completion, et cetera. So if you're really clear as to what parts of the project you were involved in, then that might stop them feeling they have to set a task to get to know more about you and your skill set and like what you can do. So this is something I'd be mindful of when putting together um, your portfolio. Um, everyone says to me, it's all about the voice of that creative, um, what they're bringing to the agency, to the role. So that's a way you could maybe design your portfolio so you may not be set it in the future. It's actually really interesting, Nikki, that you say that because the current position that I'm in, I'm at a studio in Sydney called A Company. When I had sent through my first portfolio, it actually had, a, like as a junior, obviously it in the portfolio, it had a few pieces that I'd worked on at these big studios. Um, and so when I had my interview, I talked that through. But I think at the end of the interview, um, my career director probably thought, you know, this doesn't really show who Faz is. Like, what does Faz do? What's her style? And so she actually asked me to send through a secondary portfolio. And then I had a secondary interview for that portfolio. And that work actually included a lot more of my university work, projects that I'd worked on on my own and probably explained to her and proved to her, um, you know, what kind of work I do, what I'm interested in, rather than, you know, these big projects that I'd worked on at a studio as a junior, which was probably a much smaller role than and probably told her a lot less about the kind of work I was capable of. Yeah, and one thing I'd like to follow on from that quickly is about um, passion projects and side hustles. And I prefer the term passion project because hustle just sounds like, oh, my God, I've just done my day job. Now you want me to hustle? Like, go away. I don't want to do that. But work that you can put in, which is stuff that's created on your own terms, it's not the commercial stuff that pays the bills, etc. cetera. Um, if you have any of that work that you can put in, like, Faz just kind of referenced with the other portfolio that you got to present, then that gives them more of an indication as to who you are and, and other parts of you as a creative that you could bring to the studio and to the role. That, I think, brings us very nicely to a great point we had on Twitter, which is 
barriers to the industry um, and the barriers than the kind of accessibility that design tasks flag. And I think like that's kind of down the similar vein of side hustles. But if we're asking people to complete interview tasks and they might be segueing from one industry to another or they're a full-time carer, um, then how are they kind of supposed to manage that? And I know, Luke, you mentioned feeling like there are some accessibility barriers there. Yeah, absolutely. So for us, like, well, as an industry, as an agency, as everyone knows in design, we're we're looking for people from different backgrounds, from diverse backgrounds. Um, and that's not only because it's, it's a good thing to do, but because it's literally proven to make creative work better if you've got a diverse team. It's really, really important. And so, yeah, if we're encouraging people who maybe haven't got a traditional design background or maybe, like you say, got other things going on outside their job, then asking them to do a design task makes it uh, like not as accessible for everyone. It's not in, not an inclusive process. Um, so that is that is one of the reasons that we avoid them as well. Um, and I think, yeah, for us, if we're an agency who's championing diversity and always looking for different people, we can't be supporting people doing work outside of their normal hours. Yeah, definitely. And like you mentioned, Josie, taking the day off work, in order to complete it. And I think another argument that people often have is don't ask someone to do a design task, get them in on freelance. And I understand that as a theory, um, but what if doing some freelance means giving up your current role? So do you see that often, Nikki and Luke, like, or have you ever considered that you're really interested in, in someone joining and you ask them to do some freelance work first? Uh, no, I don't think we would take that as a, as an approach. Like we've, we've hired freelancers, uh, to the permanent team off the back of a successful freelance stint, but that's more happy coincidence. Um, and yeah, I don't think we would, I don't think we would do that. I think our interview process, there's like two or three stages. And one thing we ask people to do in the final stage is to present work they already have but from an earlier stage in the process. So what we ask for is first round creative concepts and we want to see that presentation. So hopefully they have that presentation ready to go. It's not any extra work, but it it shows us um, a bit more about them and their contribution at that early stage before it's been feedbacked to death by the client or overbearing creative director or whatever. So that's our way of like seeing a bit more of that uh, designers voice and personality and their vision for what they want to do seeing that sort of earlier rougher stuff and we love seeing that that's that's how we can sort of feel like we know the person and the designer well enough to make a good decision that's really interesting I've never heard that approach before to like see because I think that because that's what I did think of mine I was like oh going back to like how much have you actually contributed being a junior but that's um, a really good way to kind of prove what you can do without having to do any extra work also, um, looking at who sets design tasks, it's very rare. I work with like a lot of the big kind of branding agencies, but I also work with more like client side in-house um, type roles. The big, more established agencies don't tend to set design tasks as much. Um, and a lot of the time they hire people from similar types of agencies, not always, but there is a kind of common theme there. Um, and it's more the client side roles or um, 
companies that don't maybe understand, I don't want to say don't understand design as much, but they're like the more corporate, like uh, Faz read, like referenced earlier, and they don't, they they seem to set design tasks a bit more because they might not necessarily have a creative director in the interview that can really drill down on the kind of design talk and creative and get into the nitty gritty. So they tend to set the tasks a little bit more, I find. Yeah, that would kind of match with my experience as well. I think just to classically contradict that, just from what I'm seeing about people sharing their stories on design tasks, is that some of those big agencies that go on record saying, we don't ask for people to do design tasks, we don't believe in free pitching, we don't believe in spec work in general, and yet I've got people who are saying that they're being asked to complete design tasks. So why are people so willing to disagree with them publicly but still asking for them privately? Is it lack of confidence on being able to hire or thinking they can get away with it? I, I don't know if it's, yeah, that's so interesting that you say that, Katie. I know of one agency that, as a rule, don't normally set design tasks. Um, you see, I won't disclose names, but I was helping them, say, try and find an art worker, which was more of a much more technical role. Um, and they wanted to either do a kind of tryout trial of freelance first um, because of art workers, that attention to detail is just so crucial. You're meant to be like the end of the line when it goes to print. And they don't normally do them for their creators, their designers, but for their art worker, they were thinking of a way that they could test someone with a brief or freelance first. Yeah, I can totally see how that would be appealing if you're hiring an artwork position because, like you say, like the, you just have to know that they've got the technical ability and the attention to detail. Yeah, I can see the appeal. Um, but yeah, like we have, we I actually this is probably quite a good time to make a confession. We have set design tasks in the past, but like I think it was like seven years ago, we had um, we had a situation where we were looking for a junior designer. And we sort of we didn't want to offer internships because um, we just wanted to sort of commit to someone and find you know find a junior that we could invest in and develop. And we we got to a point where we had two that we wanted to hire, and we set them we did set them a design task. And in the end, they both smashed it, and we ended up hiring them. And uh, what they made it all the way to senior designer here. And I think um, yeah, that was seven years ago. One of them's still here now, and one of the other ones only recently left. Um, so yeah, I, did, I felt like I had to make that confession. Like if Katie's calling out people for um, saying one thing publicly, another thing privately. Yeah, well, we appreciate the honesty. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think I think that's really good, and I think it feels a little bit like what's going on behind closed doors, right? Which is a shame because if people are using them well maybe if people are using them in a way that's kind of productive and fair I mean I don't think you can get a better story than hiring both off the back of it but I think there's a real clear distinction between a software test and a, a practical creative task for interview and a task where you're testing someone's thinking and ideas and potentially on a live project is kind of problematic so Josie were you just when you went into stalker mode after being ghosted, were you just refreshing their socials like every day to see if they brought out a, a magazine based on Cardiff life? Yeah, to see if anything was coming up. Yeah, they think they did. Um, so I think I was 
yeah, it was it definitely was a fake brief. Actually, where I work now, they do set briefs and tasks. Um, and I was questioning my creative director on it because when I did it, they didn't set me a task because they were like, same portfolio as before. Um, they were like, we've seen everything that we need to see. Um, you don't need to do a task. Um, so I did say, I was like, why? Why would you ever set someone a task? And it is kind of, they said it would never, ever be live work. It's always kind of stuff that's already like, it's already been done. Um, and it's only if you're kind of like missing something, as I said, like if you wanted, you need a bit more web design or something. Do you think it's it's conducive of good work? I know the kind of style of work that, that Ragged Edge does is like super collaborative, but this kind of pressured, you've got a couple of hours to impress us, off you go on your own on this brief where there might not be a huge amount of context. Do you think that creates the kind of the work that's going to get you actually in the door? Honestly, no, I don't. I have, yeah, that's the thing. I don't think you're going to see the best. I mean, if we were going to set a creative challenge for a designer, it would be something along the lines of, you know, a concept for a, for a brand, and that's huge. Um, but if they were to do something like that, they wouldn't have the writer that they'd be working with here. They wouldn't have the strategy. You wouldn't have the strategist for feedback. You wouldn't have all of that collaboration. So there's absolutely no way you get a good reflection of that designer's ability to work in the team um and yeah so so really no i would we wouldn't we wouldn't do it these days um not anymore <laughs> learn a lesson kind of harks back to what you were saying first right about being given a huge task that's kind of bigger than than you felt like you would have been capable of 100 percent. and i feel like as juniors you could go in and be given these tasks by, you know, an in-house or a studio. Or I feel like this would be more likely from a, from an in-house who doesn't really understand design. And they'd be asking this huge task of someone that's at a junior level. And being a young, naive, impressionable junior, you would be so keen to get a job and you would spend like hours on end and probably do all-nighters to get this thing out. And you might not you might not hit the nail on the head because you don't have that experience and you don't have the expertise as of yet to have tackled that task. And you probably didn't know better to actually say that this is not where my skills lie. And, you know, you've probably set yourself up for failure and then ruined your confidence, which is horrible. Totally. Um, okay. So final question and without kind of putting any pressure on anyone, has anyone like heard a new opinion today that like they hadn't kind of thought of it from that point of view or I guess had any realizations or changes in the way they would move forward? I definitely wouldn't do another task before an interview ever again. But I kind I do kind of see the benefit in them, but I really think they should be like small um and it you can't be creating a whole new identity with like after work or in a day or two with your annual leave so I think it's still there's got to be a reason for it if you're just presenting what you've already presented in your portfolio I don't see any point in it and I would probably push back now and if yeah it's just like a ludicrous amount of work I'd just be like you're not going to see you're not going to get a true representation of what I can do from that so I'm still like no. 80% no maybe 70% definitely would not do them but 30% maybe <laughs> I think for me the, the new thing is that I can like uh 
came from what Nikki was talking about in terms of the appropriate level of task. And also, I, I love the idea of setting some sort of contract or rules of engagement if you are going to set a task, because I think one of one of the problems, one of the many problems that Josie, you had with your experience, I think is just the, the terrible communication. And I think if like what Nick is talking about, that that level of uh, agreement between people, so everyone knows exactly what's expected, exactly what the process is, exactly what the outcome would be, like if it goes this way or that way, then I think that can make it acceptable for, for the right level of task and the right sort of job. Um, and that's something that I, I hadn't considered before. I think what I hadn't considered before is the fact that um, interview tasks have like a role potentially, but for the most part, it is quite exploitative of individuals. And I think what Luke was saying around, you know, getting designers to show early work is quite interesting way of handling that. That's not something that I had heard of before. And I think it's an interesting one to note for future reference, if I'm ever trying to prove myself that I can pull something out that I'd already done. Yeah, and then something that I would like to add is, you know, the sessions made me realise that if clients are insistent on setting a design task, that there is an exchange of time for time. So they at least provide feedback. Um, And there's none of this kind of them being sent a task, no reply whatsoever, um, it just so happens people that go through us, we're the ones chasing them. Like we can be the people you can hide behind that be like, Nikki, where's that feedback? And I'll be like, right, let me get it for you. But designers don't always feel comfortable to keep reaching out all the time. So I think that's something I'm definitely going to make sure I do going forwards is if clients do set them, that they at least provide some feedback on why that person didn't get the job or any ways in which they could possibly improve um, for future roles. Nice. I think that'd be great. Great. That feels like a really good place to wrap up. Thank you so much, everyone, for chatting today. Um, It's been really good to have like a good mixture of experience. And thanks for honesty all round. I think sharing like lived experience and also maybe admitting um, to some past uh, choices uh, is really cool. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody. And that's the end of the episode. If you're still here, then thank you. Seeing as you've already made the effort to get all the way to the credits, please hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You could leave us a review. That makes a huge difference. And that way you're not going to miss any episodes. Later on in the series, we're going to be discussing things like salary secrecy, design comment sections, working class barriers to the industry. If you want to be involved or know someone who would be great, then just slide into our DMs. We're at the NDA podcast on Twitter and Instagram. The incredible soundtrack is by Jamie Lull and Toby McLaren. In an attempt to be as accessible as possible, I'm recording all episodes remotely so there's no need for travel or equipment costs. Everything's being uploaded to YouTube with closed captions. If there's anything else I can do to create better access for you, please just get in touch. Finally, a personal thank you to Katie from Creative Boom and James from Be Heard for their generosity of knowledge, helping a girl figure out how to start a podcast. I'm Katie Cadwell. This is NDA. Catch ya.